There is only one thing that the Buddha actually specifically uh, that is the most easy to understand um, is that he said to sit upright. And there's some really important uh, physics or engineering reasons to do that in the sense that the sitting upright means that the body is like this and that the center of gravity is within the body. And so gravity is pulling us straight down. So sitting up straight is the right way to sit. If we sit in any angle at all, it's going to cause the center of gravity to shift. So if we're leaning over, then the center of gravity is shifting over here, which means now that the muscles of the back have to actually work to keep you in, um, even though it feels more relaxed to just to let go, but by doing so, the back will start to hurt. And so mm-hmm. sitting upright is the only important point about posture. Another important point that is referenced other places is relaxation of the body. Now we can do both of those, both sitting upright and relaxing at the same time. But in fact, step four of Anapanasati is all about relaxing the body. Uh, And that we can learn to relax the body, but we have to relax the mind as well. When the body and the mind are both relaxed together, then that's a good relaxation. If the body is relaxed, but the mind is in turmoil, that's not necessarily so much relaxation. And then possibly the body is going to have a whole lot more movement. The real idea of relaxation is, is that it becomes um, not agitated and not moving around a lot, but rather just able to sit and rest and comfortable. So we're looking at three things. One is upright. The other one is comfortable and relaxed. But now these three features that we're talking about, the posture of the body, in fact, we can take those three features to our entire lives. The entire practice of of Anapanasati is the practice of living our lives where we live our lives upright, relaxed, and comfortable. So we're going to actually intentionally practice that with the body, knowing that ultimately that that's going to come on to the whole um, lifestyle. And so we actually practice sitting up straight. In meditation, they have um, retreats. They will give people a, um, a task of sitting up as straight as they can as if there were some sort of rope or something is suspended from the top of the head, pulling them up. And then after we get the back straight like that, now we imagine that that rope is cut and we're going to relax by falling straight back down. Okay. So that straight back down is um, a relaxed posture, but it's also sitting up straight. Now, Uh, There's something else about cross-legged. It is natural for someone who is sitting on the floor to sit cross-legged. That in fact, even when we're sitting in chair, 
we will often sit cross-legged, even with the ankles crossed or with the knees crossed, or maybe the uh, the calf of one leg is sitting on the uh, uh, the foreleg up like this. So um, the whole concept of cross-legged is not a big deal. And yet the Western English translations have the word cross-legged in the translations themselves, but the Pali word isn't cross-legged. It's talking about a seat. And then, in fact, the uh, sitting or the seat can also be a chair or a couch. Or it can be a divan or a device or something like that that we're sitting upon. It's not necessarily cross-legged. Mm. About that, I've been using a, a Sen bench, you know those? Yes, I know. And this has like a little angle. Does that uh, affect like the, the straightness or can you compensate with the natural curve of the bag or? All right, guess what? The Buddha didn't have Zen bench. Yeah, <laughs> I figured. That, that in Japan, uh, the sitting posture on the floor is a military posture, not a sitting posture. A sitting posture is a posture to be comfortable so that you can stay there for a long period of time. The, the Zen Japanese military posture is designed to be able to get up quickly. So that you can be having a conversation with somebody in Japan, both of them are sitting down so that basically the buttocks is sitting on the heels. And that the, uh, the foot is, is flat on the floor, sitting on the heels. This can often put pressure on the knees, especially if there's a excess weight or whatever. Thin legs, no problem. But if there's too much fat, on the calf of the leg or the underside of the uh, uh, bigger part of the leg, then that will actually put extra pressure on the knees. And so people have a lot of trouble with that. Also, sitting on one's heels, the feet get tired. But if you're sitting in that posture, then it is very easy for you to raise up on your knees, grab one foot and put it on the floor and be standing within a half a second. And at the same time, while you're doing that, the left hand has its hand on the hilt of the sword where you're pushing the sword out so that the sword is in midair as you're going into midair. So the right hand can grab the sword after it's already been pushed out of the scabbard and you can grab it with the second hand and whack like this. And this is this is a Zen military posture that's designed to be able to get up for an attack instantly right now so not good taking that into meditation and the westerners they can't sit on their heels they've never been able to do that it hurts it hurts the heels it hurts the uh, the bottom part or the top part of the foot this this on the um the floor it hurts the uh the knees and so the obvious thing to do is to put the zen batch well guess what the swordsman 
the samurai who is sitting in the, that posture, if he is sitting on a Zen bench, he more than likely will fall down when he's trying to get up because he's going to do all of that in a second. And you don't have time to do anything with that Zen bench other than hope that it doesn't trip you up because you're just going to get up. All right. And so that Zen bench has got absolutely no value at all. I can't see any value in having a Zen bench. Because what it means, the Zen bench, is so to help you to sit into a posture that's not intended to be comfortable in the first place. If what it, so you're adding the Zen bench in order to give yourself a bit of comfort while sitting in a posture that's intended to not be comfortable, is intended to be a strike posture. Okay, yeah. so... You can take the imagination of uh, runners who are about to do, let's say, the 100 yards dash. Just a few seconds, instant before the gun goes off for the start of the race, how are those guys postured? What kind of position are they in? They're in a position to get ready to run, right? And so they're ready to run. Well, that Zen posture is, is a posture of sitting down that's ready to run. It's not designed to stay there for a long period of time, comfortably. And so I would recommend giving up the Zen bench, giving up the posture of the Zen bench, and sit down instead comfortably. So long okay. as you're sitting upright, so yeah. long as you're sitting comfortably and relaxed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you're sitting uh, and you're yeah. not comfortable and not relaxed, then you can recognize that because of pains or tensions or whatever like that. Then you adjust the posture so that you come back to being comfortable. Even if that means standing up. Mm -hmm. But they don't like it in the meditation hall when students stand up unless that's part of the program. That's one of the big differences between the meditation retreats at Watson Mulk and others is that uh, there they sit shorter periods of time and they also give the students uh, the ability to stand up because oh, sure. it's more important to keep the body uh, comfortable than it is to maintain or be in any particular posture. That comfort is what we're looking for. So mm -hmm. here you are out in the woods. How can you uh, relax and be comfortable? If you lay down in the dirt, you might have all kinds of ants or stuff crawling on you. That You need to lay out something, and then sitting down and sitting up erect is the right way to do it. So that's the old tradition is, is that um, the easiest way to sit, to be relaxed, when you don't have any furniture. But now that you do have furniture, you don't have to have any silly rules. Oh, I've got to practice as if I had no furniture because people used to practice that didn't have any furniture. Therefore, I've got to not use furniture. But it's mm -hmm. okay to use the furniture. The point is, is can you sit upright? Can you sit relaxed? And can you sit comfortably? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what posture you're in, so long as you're maintaining that. Then, in fact, the Buddha talks about all four postures. The posture of standing, the posture of sitting, the posture of laying down, and the posture of walking. And so we're going to go back to all three of uh, those points for each one of the postures. 
when you're laying down, can you lay down upright or in fact erect? And this is what you would mean in the sense of the lion's pose or the lion posture or of laying on the side. So mm-hmm. when you're in bed, you lay down on the side. On your right side. Doesn't matter whether it's the right side or the left side. There's there's um, physiological reasons for one or the other, but having the other one as an alternate is helping you to relax and stay comfortable. Sometimes you can lay too long in one posture to to change your posture, but you don't change the posture to lay on the back or change your posture to lay on the stomach. Rather, you change your posture to move over to lay on the other side. Okay. All right. So this is the whole quality of sitting. The quality of being upright, quality of being comfortable, and going in the direction of relaxing the body. And as you relax, as you investigate the body and uh, manage the breathing, as well as manage the mind, when the mind becomes more relaxed, the body will relax, that we actually store mental tensions in the body through chemistry. Mm-hmm. So the way tensions out of the body is by getting the tensions out of the mind also then we can really relax okay so these are the qualities of the posture is that we're wanting to sit or stand or even lay down upright comfortable and relaxed and so remembering that over and over again you can check to see is the body comfortable Is the body upright? Is it relaxed? And you can check that out from time to time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that answer your question? Or do you have any questions more than than that for posture? Yeah, it doesn't have to be totally upright because I have like uh, my neck is a a bit bent forward. So I feel like to be upright, I have to have like a constant effort that messes that mm, subtracts from the comfort of it right so effort is is what we're not looking at so when there seems to be a dichotomy for this then we want to to maintain upright simply because it is comfortable what you're talking about is more of a rigid uptight or holding the back uh up or whatever like that but in, uh, a good way of doing it is by standing against the wall mm-hmm. and feeling how much of the wall you can feel with your body. Can you actually put both your shoulder blades and the back of your head and your butt and the calf of your leg and the heels and all of that against the wall? That will help you to understand what it means to be, to sit upright or to stand upright or actually mm-hmm. sitting against the wall as opposed to leaning against the wall. Mm-hmm. But it's better to actually, if you if your back is hurting, then you can actually sit with the back against the wall so that you can use the wall to help you sit straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the whole quality is, is that we're not trying to hold the head to make sure that it's straight and adding tension. No, mm-hmm. we're wanting to sit with it straight simply because that's a comfortable way to sit. Yeah, I wondered about that because of what you said about the center of gravity. But yeah, I'll do it. 
Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, we've, we've got that covered then. Any other questions about posture? Hmm. You didn't mention anything about um, like stillness. Stillness um, is not the same as quietness, right? Uh, actually, that is something that you can practice in in other places. And when I say practice, I'm actually talking about it in the sense of a, a toy or a skill to be developed. An example of that is watching what your hands are doing and begin to slow them down. Another example would be how much tension do you have in the hands so that the hands are actually in a state of movement? Or can you actually just hold the hand still by relaxing it? Okay, so you can play with the hand like that and get that so that you can begin then to add that to the body. In other words, can you hold your hand up like this and hold it still, but relax it? Because mostly when we think of holding something still, we hold it by holding tight to it, grasping and clinging on it, or adding tension to it. But the but the secret of holding it still is by letting it relax. Just and with it relaxed, then it's really easy just to hold it very still. So this is one of the things then that you can begin to play with is by playing with the hands, moving them very slowly, touching, getting in tune with being inside of the hands. Mostly when we think of the hands, we think of the object that we're holding with the hands. So when I'm picking something up and holding it, I'm thinking about the object <clears throat> rather than the holding it. So what we want to do is to come out of the object into the fingers and start feeling the tips of the fingers. An example would be that when you're setting something down, what's the last touch sensation point in your hand? You might even want to stylize it so that the last, whenever you set something down, the last thing that you uh, leave touching is the side of the baby finger. You don't mm -hmm. leave it, just let it go. No, you always leave it with the idea that you've got that last baby finger and that's going to be the last thing that leaves. Okay, so we begin to play with it with a toy or mindfully knowing what the hands are doing. So that you can do things very easily and very simply with great feelings of joy. I mean, it feels so good to just to put the fingers together. Ah, oh, it feels so nice. Mm -hmm. Feels okay. so nice to get into the sense of touch. So this is the way that we can practice this posturing is to be aware of the hands throughout the day as well as when we're in any particular sitting posture. But these are what they call the mudras, and there's a lot of different mudras. And the word mudra, the word mu is for the word hand. So drawing of the hand or the movements of the hand are the mudras or the poses of the hands. One of them is this pose of holding the hand out like this. And the idea 
is that you're putting all of your awareness, all of your focus, all of your mentality into the palm of the hand with the idea of opening it up as if it were a um, a conduit of joy or energy that you can uh, radiate like that with the palm of the hand and let that palm of the hand become vibrantly alive. I thought you didn't like that type of stuff. Pardon? I thought you didn't like that type of stuff. The magic part of it, to think that it's uh, uh, magical, is something that I would say, no, we're looking for something real. No, but um, I don't see it necessarily as magical, but that the visualization helps in a certain way or the idea. Well, we're talking about building up awareness, building up mm. uh, uh, mental states, building up sensations, actually doing things that change the physiology of the hands so that the hands themselves become warmer rather than cold hands. We have hot hands. How do we have hot hands? Is by paying attention to the hands. Thinking about the hands, allowing the blood flow to go into the hands. These are the mudras, okay? And so one of the mudras is to have the right hand over the left, uh, the, over the right knee, down so that the the uh, lowest finger can touch the earth. This is called the touch of the earth posture, so that you can actually use that uh, finger to touch the floor to make sure that you're still on the floor. If you have the, uh, if you've gotten so deep into meditation or so outblown <laughs> or whatever like that, that you have the sensations of flying through the air, you can reassure yourself that you're not flying through the air. You're still on the ground and you can touch the earth with that index finger or not mm -hmm. the index, but the long finger, the middle finger. So that's part of the mudras is we use the hands uh, we can use the hands to put them together. We can touch the thumbs. We can use this one where we're using the, the thumb and the index finger, and we begin to play with that touch sensation between the two. How close can you get them so that they can feel each other but not actually physically touch yet? In other words, how can you uh, uh, increase your boundaries? Can you begin to see that there's something connecting between the fingers without them actually touching okay so this is one of the ways that we can begin to play with the body playing with the hands another thing to do with the hands is uh only touch the face or the head consciously and we do it with slowness that uh we're talking about itching and scratching to where people will scratch and do things mm -hmm. like that or whatever, and they do it absent-mindedly. Yeah. I'm not saying to stop doing any of that stuff. I'm saying that we slow it down and we do it mindfully so that if we want to scratch the head, we could do it like this. Mm -hmm. Gently, comfortably, easily. An itch over here, ah, yes. Okay, so this is the way that we begin to operate with the hands. Do everything with the hands with full awareness or paying attention to what the hands are doing. But this is all part of posture. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to deal with the hands? We're going to deal with the hands that they're upright, they're comfortable, 
and are relaxed. How is the hand upright? Like the fingers stretched? Well, when I'm talking about upright, I'm not talking about stiff, but I'm talking about relaxed. In this case, the uprightness has to do with that we're not grabbing things. The uprightness here would be the uprightness that you would have in the sense of um, uh, uh, high class morality. That we don't grasp and cling to things that we're paying more attention to what the hands are doing as we lift an object. OK, so there's a difference between lifting an object and grabbing it. Grabbing it is not upright. Mm. Setting it down absentmindedly is not upright, but genuinely placing objects, picking them up mindfully, that would be operating upright. And comfortable and relaxed. So those three qualities for posture. Quality of being upright, relaxed, and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so you, you mentioned relaxing the hands, having the hands be comfortable. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask you also about the meditation times or times of, of the meditation sessions. You mentioned once that it's better to practice more often in shorter intervals. Yes. Uh, than to practice uh, for one hour and like, suffer through it. <laughs> right, but, because that last half hour, people are struggling. They're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. They're not upright but they're putting in the time because they think that they should be putting in the time. No, it's better to do the practice of Anapanasati when the mind is fresh rather than Mm -hmm. tired. And so sitting too long is one of the dangers. But I do recommend doing it often and doing it a lot, several times a day rather than once a day. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about what are some of the like markers for when you have been sitting too long instead of not putting the right effort? Uh, discomfort. Mm-hmm. Unrelaxed, tensions, pain, struggle. That okay. would be too, fu- too much. And so when you have discomfort, unrelaxed, painful, that's the time to change your posture. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting, stand up. Stretch. Do some walking. These are the things that you can do. Sitting too long is done because people think that they're going to get something out of it. We're not trying to get anything out of this practice. What we're doing instead is enjoying the practice while we're doing it. So sitting too long and the mind and the body gets uncomfortable. Why do that? The whole point about this practice is to get relaxed and comfortable. Mm-hmm. We're practicing getting the mind relaxed, comfortable, and upright. 
filled with wholesome thoughts rather than unwholesome thoughts. Okay. Okay. And so let's not sit too long because when we sit too long, we get tired and we get uncomfortable and then we start to push and force ourselves, which is what we've been doing our whole lives. So you're just now re in the second half hour of the sitting hour, people are actually reinforcing their worst habits. <laughs> instead of practicing correctly. Mm -hmm. And okay, so the pillars are Piti and Sukha. That's what uh, like a beginner has to cultivate a baseline of, right? Well, to get yourself into a state of Sukha, which means to get yourself into a state of comfort, relaxed, mm -hmm. Uh, feeling safe and secure, because if you feel unsafe and insecure, then you're not going to be comfortable. So part mm -hmm. of being comfortable is to feel safe and relaxed. And with that comfort, safety and security, you can then add the fourth ingredient, which is satisfaction. Uh, this is OK right now. Everything is all right right now. Everything is good. Mm -hmm. So Sukha comes first. Yes. Dukkha comes first, and then pity will build up, and then it will subside back into sukha. Mm. Okay. But the but the pity also has the quality of the attitude of I can do this, the attitude of uh, success. Mm -hmm. And the success is the success of skill building, not the constructed item. Like, for instance, a house of cards. Many people think of their meditation practices like a house of cards, that they can work really hard or whatever and get the house of cards built. And then just one little thing will happen and the whole thing falls apart. Right. So we're not trying to become experts at having houses of cards built and maintained. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing instead is building the skill of building houses of cards. Never mind that they fall apart because I've got the skill to build another one. Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking for is the skill of getting ourselves into a relaxed, comfortable state. And then we'll fall out of it and we'll be back into a, a, a suffering and um, uh, dukkha and um, frustrations, anxiety, and all of that again. But never mind. Just because you've lost your house of cards doesn't mean that you can't rebuild it. Just take a deep breath. Never mind and start again and continue building the skill of relaxation. Do you use uh, distinctive breath rhythms or breath patterns? Or do yes, you? Definitely. The breathing is necessary because we're uh, one, there are several reasons. One is to energize the body, to give it energy. Also, the out breathing helps to rid the carbon dioxide and other products that come out of the breath. So it's actually a, an exhale is a relax or a relief or a letting go, a sigh, an out breath. 
So that's why we want to put the breathing into it is because it's an integral part of getting the body to relax. Mm -hmm. As well as it's an integral part of learning to understand the body. As I breathe in, I know the breathing. And as I breathe out, I relax. And so the breathing is an important quality, but it has even more than that. And that is, is it also has uh, the development of the skill of sati to remember. So you remember to take a long, deep in breath and you remember to take a long, deep out breath. And then you remember to take another in breath and then you remember to take another out breath, long, deep, relaxed. And so the uprightness in this is the uprightness to remember, to keep relaxing, to keep relaxing, to keep relaxing that breath, long, slow, deep, easy breathing. And by doing so, it builds that skill of remembering to be in the present moment, which is also by breathing. When you're looking at your own breathing, you can't look at last year's breath or next month's breath. You've got to own to look at the breath you're having right now. So that's another quality of the breathing is it helps you, triggers you into being into the here now, into the present moment. Mm -hmm. So it has so all of these. You maintain that the same pattern, the same long, deep in breath and long, deep out breath. Right. Okay. Maintain a habit or a, a pattern and slowing it down. Um, <clears throat> normally, people breathe at about 10 breaths, excuse me, 20 breaths a minute. But that's really fast breathing. That means an in and out breath in three seconds. What we're going to do is we're going to make that a three second for the in breath and three seconds for the out breath and maybe in a second or so between. So now we're going to have maybe uh, six seconds for a breath. Mm -hmm. Which is now 10 breaths a minute, or we can go down to maybe 10 seconds for a breath or maybe eight breaths for a second. Uh, eight, eight seconds for a breath. So you can experiment that with counting and play with it to see what's comfortable for you. Because as you progress, the, uh, the breathing will become more comfortable as it slows down so that you're down to about three or four breaths a minute, which is about uh, 15 seconds for a breath. Okay, which would be like maybe eight in the end breath well, eight in the in and eight in the out would be 20, and that would be three breaths a minute. So you could do six in and six out, and then three, and that would be 15. That would be four breaths a minute. Mm -hmm. So this is the way to count. This is the way to play with it. But, but the counting is not the important thing. The important thing is to take long, slow, easy, comfortable, relaxed, satisfying breaths. Got it. OK. Yeah, I've been practicing breath holds, but I think I could breathe more slowly when meditating. Uh, that would be useful. Yes, if you're really, really going to enjoy your breath, then it's good to, to slow it down. To really pay attention to the breathing because the breathing gives you life. Life itself is what we crave for. I mean, if you had a choice between dying now 
or dying within two minutes or taking a breath, <laughs> which would you choose? I'll take the two minutes. Yeah, you'll take another two minutes. You'll take another <laughs> breath, right? Because it's yeah. good to be alive. We kind of like it. We it's, appreciate it. So give your breath that um, that quality. It's keeping you alive. It's giving you life itself. Yeah. So we can have a gratitude and appreciation of thankfulness for the breathing. That's in the wholesome thoughts um, topic. Yes, a wholesome topic. <laughs> Rather than breathing too because we have to, we're breathing because we enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I like to think about like um, zoom out into like imagining the earth and then the, the space. Is that wholesome too? Yes. To recognize that the air, the atmosphere that you were around is life-giving. Mm -hmm. That without that interchange, without that in and out, you'd die. That you're actually a part of the air that you're breathing. Mm -hmm. And so if we can become friendly with the breath, then we can become friendly with the air that we breathe. Mm-hmm. And that air is touching everything. So everything that the air that we breathe touches is part of me. That gives us a feeling of unity, a feeling of wholeness, as a feeling uh, that's different from the feeling of individuality, the feeling of us against them, me against the world. I've got to survive against heavy duty odds is the way that we were raised. Now we're just looking at our entire environment. It's just part of me. It's just, just the whole show. It's the friend. We're friendly with everything, including and especially the air that we're breathing. Mm -hmm. And when we have that feeling already like going kind of strong, uh, could that like uh, in quotations stress transposed to a little bit of meta meditation when we think about like a family that is meta meditation okay i just gave you a meta meditation exactly that is meta meditation being friends with your environment mm -hmm. yeah so i imagine like the, the important thing is to have that feeling going strong first and then like to to expand it right Right. We develop that feeling of friendship, camaraderie, easygoing, relaxed, comfortable, and upright. We then take that to other people, too. But we have to practice it on the inside first. Mm -hmm. Because the people that we deal with are probably not going to be relaxed, comfortable, and uh, upright. They're, called, they're probably going to be bent over, bent out of shape, unrelaxed, and you have to deal with that. Well, the best way to deal with that is not by being in the same condition that they're in, but dealing with them when you've already got and maintained your own upright, comfortable, relaxed attitude. Mm -hmm. So that's metta, is dealing with the world in a relaxed, comfortable, upright attitude.
Easy. That has to be easy. constant. Keep it going. Yeah. Okay, Eric. Well, let's finish now. I think that we've gotten this done. Call me soon and keep me informed with how's your practice going. Thank you very much. Have a good day. All righty. We'll see you.